Season two, episode one of TMHS, the Marcus Hendricks Show. I am your main man, the same man as always. I never changed. I know it's only been a week. Not too long. Not long enough for me to change, but you know, shit. We know niggas that, look, one day they won the next day they the next. Next moment. I know I've seen niggas change in a moment's instant. So I'm the same guy that's been here. In fact, in fact, same guy, but a little bit different. I'll give you that. Cause I, I don't I don't move in in the time of you know days and weeks. So a week for me ain't really a week. I still think it's January. Let's be honest. Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Today is Tuesday, February fourteenth of the year two thousand twenty-three. I think it's interesting to state specifically the year. Um, not that that was intentional, you know, or like for a reason. But it is interesting to make note of something like that, and you realize that it is the year two thousand twenty-three. Uh, Meaning 404, hmm, interesting, 404 years ago, give or take some months, was the year 1619. Um, and what we're talking about today is the 1619 Project, specific, the documentary um, by uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, I believe is her name. Uh, it's on Hulu right now. I just finished episode six. I'm not sure. I believe it was a limited series in that sense. I, I believe it's only six episodes and it's done now. So as I'm aware, I finished it, but that was enlightening. It was enlightening for, you know, a lot of reasons. And I tweeted this. I said it was enlightening, but it was also liberating. You know, it um it put into perspective, you know, those times when you have, again, I, and I've talked about this, the bias of affirmation versus confirmation. And what so many people I think seek out is the is confirmation, which I'm really ever, you know, really looking for. I'm I'm always looking for affirmation that kind of Okay, yeah, like I'm not the only one, but also, you know, people much smarter than me, much more educated, much more, you know, well-read, intelligent, whatever you want to call it, are also seeing things this way or have done this research and found the same answer that I came, you know, same conclusion. That's what I'm always kind of looking for is is that second opinion in a, in a way. Um, not that I, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm not one too much, too much care for people's opinions, but also... That's when it comes to people who I know, you know, are not given from the same, drawn from the same well of wisdom or the same, you know, breadth of experience um, and just, you know, life circumstance. So, right, again, it's a different, you know, different set of knowledge, different, different kind of information you're getting from an experience like that of just watching something like that. Very important, right? I, I said, I, I'm, I'm like, this is mandatory viewing. And it's funny that, you know, it's mandatory viewing at the same time that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and, you know, the, the I guess their board of education or whatever it's called, and not just Ron DeSantis, but he's the one, you know, making the headlines about it, essentially trying to ban black history, right? Like, it's funny to, it's funny to look at a group of people who, because what he's been doing, and, and specifically the way that he was able to get around it, he says it was, it was about the black queers, and he says that is not central to the history of African American. Which one? I'm like, bro, who the fuck are you to say, Ron DeSantis? Let me let me get this out the way real quick, because I'm I'm upset in a in an interesting way. By the way, I've got my ginger beer. So if you know me, you may or may not know that I love ginger beer, but I love ginger beer. I've got a short list here of of fuck yous. Um, so let me just get those off my chest real quick. Mitch McConnell, John Kennedy. Lindsey Graham and Ron DeSantis. Fuck y'all. All right. Since it is Valentine's Day, we're, we're on a love tip. I've been listening to Stevie and Common. I'm in a good mood. I'm not, I'm nowhere near angry. That's, and that was what I was getting to about the 1619 Project, right? This two years ago would have had me, my blood boiling. Maybe not. 
maybe not blood boiling, but certain parts of it and certain parts of it did upset me. You know, it hurt to watch that at points. But, you know, you talk about six hour long episodes. So if we're saying six hours in total, probably spent five minutes slightly bothered, but nowhere near nowhere near me watching Judas and the Black Messiah at 1215 in the morning two years ago. And having to pause it halfway through because if I didn't, I was going to go on a rampage. Yeah. Um, and I even I even made a comment about that today. I was like, you know, it's interesting watching something like this and seeing the difference in my reaction. Excuse me. That's the ginger beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, it's, it's interesting knowing, you know, how my reaction changes with something like that. But knowing it's not just the content, it's the the person that I am, you know, the change in the time that we're in, that's drastically different, right? So the presentation for one, you know, the content, the context of it, but the character that I am today, the individual that I am today is a way different. And it but it all starts from that moment, from that point of Judas and the Black Messiah, that point of point of reference, that period I was in my life. And I, I mentioned, I said, you know, it's interesting to look at it and say, the reason that I'm so staunch, like stoutly, staunchly, whatever, you know, I guess the, both of those words fit. I wanted to say staunchly against the black trauma stories is is for this exact reason. And it, it lines up perfectly with where we're going this week. Um, Thursday's episode, I'm not going to, you know, give it away. But at large, we're talking about BET along these lines. Uh, but even more, you know, the reason I'm against a movie like Emancipation having come out, I said, I'm like, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah served its purpose, for me at least, and I think for much more than just myself, but it served its purpose at that time. But the point of it was so that we could get to 2023 and not have to make emancipation, right? It was so, and I'm like, and even the reason that I look at a movie like The Woman King, and even that's different because the point of Judas and the Black Messiah was so that we could get to 2023 or 2022 and you are allowed, you can make a woman led movie, a black, a woman of color led movie. Like you can do something like that. So the point was not to keep making fucking slave movies, Will Smith, right? And this is, it's, it's no, when I, when I have, you know, these moments, these things that I talk about, I think what, what can often get confused, especially with the way that, you know, revolution and this, this whole energy behind, changing the culture has gone for so long, it's been an attack. It's been accusatory, right? Well, what we tend to do is the, I see it this way and because you don't, or I'm doing this and because you aren't, you're wrong. And this goes back to, remember when I talked about the, you know, the root issue of the gender war, it all, this all ties in together. You know, if you happen to notice how this, this whole thing goes, I've said before, I don't really stray from the things that I know and talk about and believe in, right? So it all ties in together. And what I said then is what I'm saying now. We're so stuck in this energy of I've got to let people know when they're wrong versus doing these two things of letting people know when they're right. Because you get, you know, you, you catch more flies with honey. Honey is telling somebody, hey, you're doing phenomenally. Keep doing that versus vinegar of saying wrong, 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 wrong. Right. I've said before, I'm not a person that points out often to people when they're doing wrong as much as I may point out how they can be right. But I'm even more of a I'm a supporter. I'm a cheerleader at at core. I'm going to tell you when you're doing fucking amazing because people need to hear that. Right. And then, yeah, that other side of even if you're not going to be that, don't only tell me when I'm doing wrong. Tell me how to be right. It's the, it's the, you know, we have, it's this running joke within the black community. If you notice how, how much calmer I am coming into season two, that's where we're at. That's where we're at for good. I said last week, I'm in a heavy, calm, create and commune vibe. And what B say, shout out to the queen B. She got robbed. She did. I didn't even watch the Grammys. And you know, like I, I said, right, they, they pull, they, that, how they try to get a nigga like me they, to watch it. You make sure that you get whole performer, right? And Jamel Hill on the Jamel Hills, I'm bothered today. She was like, how do you, you know, how do you get us to, to tune in? You put Beyonce up for album of the year. Y- yeah. You, I, I had planned to watch it until I really sat back and was like, fuck the Grammys. And for good reason. Beyonce didn't win album of the year. So I want to say Kendrick got snubbed out of something too. Again, I didn't watch, so I don't know. I don't keep up with that. The only thing worth watching for me was the whole performance and 
You know, I saw it on, I figured, Colin was like, yeah, I'll just wait till it comes on YouTube. I was like, you're right. If I'm just going to watch the performance, that'll be all. I Look, I follow every Hove account there is. <laughs> I can watch the shit on Twitter. No issue, right? You got niggas posting entire movies on Twitter. I've also got a cupcake here. So if you hear me munching on my cupcake a little bit, mind your business. I actually wanted to record outside. There was just no outlet to plug my computer into, which I thought I'd had one before. I just don't remember where. Because there you would have been getting wind and a little bit of water, but it would have been beautiful in that sense. So back to what I was saying. You know, I'm in a heavy, calm, creating commune vibe. Um, and, and before that, you know, in, in talking about the 1619 Project. So what was interesting was I didn't, I normally, I don't, I'm not a guy that necessarily takes notes when I watch stuff. But I know when I take notes, I'm like, oh, when I end up taking notes, it'll have been like halfway through something or a quarter of the way through something. I'm like, fuck, this nigga's been dropping gems the whole time. Right. So what happened through all the first four or five episodes, I hadn't I thought about it in episode five. I was like, hmm, I probably should take notes for this. But I was like, you know what? I'll watch it back, which we'll talk about that was BEU later. I love how that flows. BEU, BEU. It's fucking beautiful. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, I was like, you know, I'll take notes when I watch it back because I'm going to watch it back, right? Episode six was called Justice, and I ended up taking notes. Again, like this was not, I know it was probably a quarter of the way through, and I'm like, you know what? I want notes on this, right? And, and come to find out, it very much tied the notes I took and what it was about tied so much into exactly what the notes directly before these notes are about. So last Thursday, I watched Sarah Jakes Roberts, her test, her sermon from two weeks ago. So not this past, not the past Sunday before that, but the Sunday before that. So I guess three Sundays ago. And it was called A Bold Move, right? And I didn't even bite my cupcake. Excuse me for a second. Let's do a little ASMR. Here you go. <laughs> Almost dropped it. Can you hear it? It's a good cupcake. It's a Valentine's Day cupcake. Okay. If you didn't like that, I'm sorry. But it is called The Marcus Hendricks Show. Huh. So, deal with it. So, what Sarah Jakes Roberts was talking about, you know, I love her. Oh, my gosh. I love Sarah. Because, you know, you want to talk about, not say, like, you know, thing about spirituality for me is that for so long in my, you know, childhood, I was, I was, I you know, just like a lot of kids, I wasn't big on going to church, you know, like in the sense of like having to wake up early to go to a place of a bunch of old people, you know, or around kids who weren't my, really my friends like that, whatever. And we went to a mega church, right? So it wasn't like, it wasn't like once, you know, when I moved here, my aunt and uncle went to this church over out in Corinth called Antioch. So Antioch was smaller, much smaller. Um, and my aunt and uncle were already very involved. My uncle was um, music director. He played the keyboard. My aunt led the choir, right? So it was like they were already tapped in. You know, we're tight with the the best two sit. Like all the, all the good, all the you know, that good families. That's probably wrong to say, especially talking about church. That's just that's that's church to a T, huh? That's the saints. The saints is so judgmental. But uh, no, yeah, um, all the you know the I guess prominent families, whatever you want to say. You're tied in with them, right? So it's like as you know, the, the cooler kids, whatever, I'm tied in with them, right? So it's like there's a there's a sense of community, a sense of fellowship that I'd never felt before. And I enjoyed going to Antioch, right? And not that I didn't enjoy going to Apostolic, it just it never felt like if it was gonna be church, it never felt like my church, you know, or, or the church that I and it wasn't. You know, this was my grandma's church that me and my mom went to because my grandma did. Anyway, I, I still remember the first time I I did cry in church. There was a song by Dietrich Haddon called Well Done. And I believe we had um, a guest singer or a guest choir there one day. Maybe, yeah, like a guest church. I think from time to time, our pastors would swap church with other church. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know how that stuff works. Long story short, remember Well Done, they sang it and I cried. No more than seven or eight. Um, and the, how Well Done, the chorus says, I want, you know, when I get to the gates, I want to hear him say, well done, you can come on in, right? And it, as I've gotten older, I very much understand why that song hit me the way it did, because all I want to hear him say is well done. 
but it's the it's the specificity of it's a song like that that caught me and it wasn't the you know or even like you know like the songs that i did love our god is an awesome god he reigns from heaven above it was those songs the songs that were empowering excuse me that ginger beer is getting to me the ones that didn't necessarily feel like they had to be gospel songs as much because when i what i always knew of gospel especially again going to the church i did at that time in chicago like <laughs> what you truthfully when you think of like the tv church that's what it was right like it was tv church it was it was the church you see on and it wasn't for me probably not much of my generation is like that that's why you know we love the hillsong united and the jonathan mcreynolds and even kirk franklin like that's why kirk franklin was so special and still is but that's why we love you know the um the lauren daigles because there's more energy it feels like what you what you're supposed to know god as you know they give this and this is kind of steering but i bring it back you know there's this running like thing that is, is getting torn away recently and i enjoy it because it's it's opening up religion i think in a way that it and we can tie this back to slavery without question a way that it always should have been but it was used as a fear tactic and this ties back to slavery yes but even before this was just generally how religion gained it gained its power because when we think of God as a terror first, judgment first God, like that's not true. And then you think specifically of Christianity making it be that there is, you know, the end all be all. It ends because it does end with God. It does end with the Lord. It does end with that higher power. But it's in making this fierce, ferocious, um, you know, anger, not anger, but like, I don't even, I can't find the word because it's hard to use those words, those very human qualities that already have a bad connotation for us. It's hard to use those words to describe, you know, the ultimate being, but yeah, just that sense of like you, that you should fear God. No, you're supposed to love God. You're supposed to praise and like admire and, and want to be like, I don't want to be like, if, if God made me in his image and we're saying that God is this judgment, like judging, uh, you know, strike, smite you, strike you with lightning individual, Fear first, I'm like, no, because that's not me. And I don't think any human should or wants to be like that, right? Like nobody, we want to feel love. We want to experience that joy and that forgiveness, right? Like that, I think forgiveness is one of the ultimate acts. Anyway, it connects. Okay, so like I was saying with Sarah Jakes, you just, you can tell when somebody's, you know, higher called specifically in a way that is spiritual, spiritually connected rather than religion you know or Chris, even though that is her lane she even says you know said it the other day like it's i'm not trying to call people to to religion or to christianity i'm trying to call you to the spirit i love that right and within that that's what the bold move was she was talking about you know making a bold move because god makes a bold move when he picks you you got to make a gold move, bold move in picking god back and i'm like yes 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 speak on it sarah speak on it right anyway she gets to the point of saying talking about restoration and this is she says restoration isn't about getting back what the enemy stole from you it's gaining what your ancestors never had she's talking about you know like the house that they were never allowed to own and i thought that was so beautiful she said you stole it but you can't keep it even saying 2023 is the year of the harvest and i just found that found that so beautiful and she got she gets to this end point okay she says, just talking about letting out a roar, you know, that roar, the lion roar, the roar of I'm making a bold move. I'm choosing God. You know, I'm I'm choosing something greater than myself. I'm choosing to come out of the shadow, out of that that self-preservation mode, that hiding, she's hiding in the stuff. She says, let out a generational roar, a roar that goes back for the ones that didn't get to scream and the ones that have yet to, to what is it, scrum. I, I never... No, I know the word is scream in this context, but I'm just talking about the word scrum. For the ones that have yet to scream and may not really need to if you scream loud enough, or not scream, but roar. If you roar loud enough, they may never have to. They may get to purr and meow for the rest of their lives, right? So going on to the, you know, the 1619 Project and specifically the episode, the last one on justice, which episode four, I believe, was about music. And it was beautiful, man. It was, it was something three or four. No, that might have been two. I've like I just started it the other night or yesterday. So I, I run through it really quickly. 
Um, that's what happens when, you know, something is beautifully um, important. But it, it tied so much back. And again, we're talking about these things that none of it necessarily being form material, right? I talk about, excuse my cupcake. I talk about not learning or a lot of this stuff not being included in sc traditional school education. That's talking about the traditional school education. That's talking about the Ron DeSantis of the world wanting to continue to hide history because it makes their ancestors look bad. Which, hell, here's the thing. You can't look much worse than the truth. Like, they, you know they talk about like getting in front of it, like PR, no press is bad press. Bitch, you're already there. Like, like, like letting out the truth. It's like, you know, they say the truth will set you free. At this point, that really is the only, you know, the only next step is like this. If anything, it's liberating. Again, like for me, it, there was no anger or hurt watching this. It was liberating. Kind of like an I told you so, you know, like a, yeah, we knew this, but damn, like here's the evidence, here's the proof to back it up. And and so, okay, let's, let's, you know how I like to do when it comes to my notes. I just run them off. So let's just cover the, let's, let's get the notes out the way first. So this is notes to myself before even watching, you know, episode four, five, or six today, or five or six, whatever I finished, specifically episode six. This is at 103 a.m. today. I texted myself. What we've been seeing lately and are seeing becomes the future or be seeing become the future is the mass scale equivalent of letting Frederick Douglass, Douglass learn to read and write. And that was, you know, just because he had the freedom papers and in large scale, Frederick Douglass, his fame comes from being, you know, the educated slave abolitioner, but he's a black man. He's a large part of how we got here today. All right. But so the age of information means access to all information. That means not only can we confirm that they erased and changed history, but we also have the proof of everything that was hidden to back it up, right? So like, that's what you have with something like this. It's not only proof that history has been changed, hidden and erased, it's now saying, okay, but here's also the direct evidence, the direct proof to say, this is what was changed, all right? So I asked the question, I'm like, what did you think was gonna happen when you let a group of people who've been thirsting for the truth since forever finally get an actual crack at it? Cause I tweeted this as well. I'm like, what, where you, where you end up, where you end up with somebody like, and not just somebody like me, but I use myself as an example because it's facts. I tweeted, I'm always trying to explain to people that I understand exactly why they don't want us knowing this history. Cause you let a nigga like me get a hold of it and guess what I'm doing? This right here. I'm running and telling everybody. I'm gonna do a podcast about it. I'm gonna text all my friends and say, go watch the 1619 Project. Anybody who follows me on Instagram or Twitter is gonna see me say, go watch the six, right? And it's not just that, it's the continued conversation because now I'm. it's sparking more conversation for anybody that's around me, right? Anybody who I, this is now a worthy topic. It's been a worthy topic, but this is now a direct information source, all you, it's this whole world of, and that's, I don't just mean with this documentary, I mean with allowing access, we have the internet, we got chat GPT, just simple Google alone is, is insane, right? I say, give a born revolutionary the, the knowledge to drive the revolt and boom, all right? Also, along with my FU list, it is a fuck the police. I, I was thinking, it's very interesting. I remember for a while back in 2020 specifically, I would get the question, somebody would say, well, you don't like the police, but what do you, who are you going to call if somebody's robbing your house? Well, one, knock on wood, but I've, I've never had, my, you know, 22 years, nobody's ever robbed me or attempted to rob me, right? So I've, I've never had to call the police on something that was actually occurring negatively for me. Only time I've had to get in contact, like call the police was to help somebody else, right? So in, in, in reality, I've never had to. Never would have to. The only time I've had to deal with the police is when they pull me over or call, you know, catch me on some bullshit. Or if you know about the spring break party of my sophomore year, that too. <laughs> Crazy. Cupcake's done after this. But yeah, man, I'm thinking, you know, that may be so, but I, I don't recall ever being, and again, like on the same, you know, same lines, I don't recall ever being told that the police are my you know, like second, next level of protection or first level of protection, whatever. Nobody ever was like, yeah, Marcus, if you need help, call the police. It wasn't a thing. Now, whether you blame that, again, I, I said today, I was talking to, you know, Stan and TJ, and we're talking about, you know, the driving while black. I'm like, that was the first crime I ever learned of. 
was driving while black. Now, necessary, I don't know. Crucial for my development, without question. But definitely desensitizing in a way that I, I, I can't say, you know, positively or negatively, because it added on to a narrative that already existed on the outside, right? That my blackness, especially as a black man, is a threat, is a weapon that does not do me any good, right? Like you think of like, normally if you have a weapon, it can protect you in, in certain situations, which I guess it's probably kept me, I don't know, probably, you know, certain situations where maybe things would have gone other otherwise had there not been a fear, which is like, it's, it's still, it's a negative, but it's a net negative that ends up a net positive. It's crazy the way, it's crazy that we've made this whole thing around race that was just invented for money purposes. And now I have white people who look over my shoulder when I go into stores. That's kind of crazy to me, but it's where we're at, right? It's where we're at. And and that's where you look at, you know, when you talk about this idea of, I mean, it goes directly. So, right, like when I, I finished up, I said that same fervor that they expected to last in the streets forever is now being used for mental warfare because I don't care anymore. Like you can, you can, you can watch me walk in a store and you can watch me the whole way out. You can, you're not going to rile me up. If you accuse me of stealing, I'm going to laugh at you, right? Like I'm, I, there is no more driving while black, not for me. Cause it is, look, nigga, I either was speeding or I wasn't, you're not about to kill me over it. No, sir. I'm like that same, yeah, that same fervor, the underestimation of our tact, and overestimation of our aggression, though, it just shows racism's ass. Because you thought we were animals incapable of doing anything but riot, right? And as I've said before, the new revolution is much different than, it, than it's ever been and much different than I think even people on the inside are aware of because it's, it's not a revolution. It's a renaissance. It's a growth, right? Like this is not a strike back. It's a stand up. I think that's so beautiful. And even the new Selma, which is this is the new Selma, but it's so valuable because Selma never ended. That's how we got here, right? There's a song by Dr. Dre featuring Anderson Pack, and in the chorus, Anderson Pack says, "Please don't come around these parts and say that we're all a bunch of animals. The only time they want to turn the cameras on is when we fucking shit up." Or he said, "The police don't come around these parts." Um, yeah, I think that's just you know facts, right? So pointing specifically to you know what what I realized. Again, talking about the access to information like this, that's that's very just direct and right in front of you, right? Because what I, I've tried to explain to people before is how I knew racism in general, but specifically like the black versus white thing in America never could die out because it's the, the same stories of history that I've gotten from ancestors, from my grandparents and great grandparents of the... So it's like they... If they were telling me stuff and I have, you know, friends and family that were also getting said information from the past, I'll then not be happening on the other side. If beliefs haven't changed, you know, that specifically. Uh, but where I also went with it, you know, I was thinking, it's like, so maybe it's a good thing that they only give us attention when we rioted and protested it because it almost lulled them to sleep in a sense of uh, this false sense of superiority that gave this blanket security, right? I mean, the riots didn't, and when I say they and them, I think most people that, you know, hear me understand that it's not pointing to the a general blanket statement of white people or specifically white people in, at all. It's talking about the people in power whose whole game is oppression, right? Like the riots didn't scare them. The unity of the riots is what scared them. It's the, the leading, the seeing, oh shit, they're still fighting. And now, you know, they're pulling more people into it. They're able to broadcast the message. They're able to use the media platforms. They're able to, they have the knowledge and forethought. They're making documentaries. They're making movies. Fuck. That's because that's what makes shit scary, right? I'm like, what they've never put on display is me and my homie at 17 having conversations about our upbringings in Baton Rouge and Chicago. You know, his dad go, having gone to jail when he was a kid, my dad being killed when I was a kid. So it's like, we're having these conversations, right? Of like, oh shit, these very odd upbringings that make you pause and say, this shit's not normal. These conversations are being had, but people don't know that. People don't realize that. And like us sharing stories of, of change in our, in our black, strong black mothers chose different for us. Much like the ancestors who chased freedom during the Great Migration. I'm like, though they gave birth to the civil rights generation, right? And 
this this last note is funny. I'll bring that up later. But what I what I really you know found interesting is something that Nicole was saying. She was talking to her to her two uncles at one point. She said it's kind of amazing to think of a woman with two young children to leave behind everything she knew because she was determined to build a life for her family. She's talking about her grandmother, and I, I just I took that and I'm like, because that's facts, right? Like what what we I think we don't often realize is there hasn't been the change that we think or that we're you know being told that there has been there's been great change but what hasn't changed is the fight for the movement right the 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 purpose and the passion behind it what we're aiming at it's liberation because that our word of the day is liberation sorry i know we're we're 30 minutes in i didn't say that earlier but it came up at the perfect time the word of the day is liberation so I, I get here's some notes that were interesting. Oh, look, we're right there talking about change. I, I, I was I realized at some point in the episode it, they showed Obama up there, President Obama. And, you know, I said I was like electing electing Barack Obama showed me that change was bullshit. Not that he wasn't worth it. Not that it didn't drive anything. It was pivotal. Excuse me. But I saw how little had actually changed going forward from the, I mean, we literally saw it directly after Donald Trump was the next president. So it's like, how much really changed, right? Because it's the, the J. Cole lyric. You know, you let a brother steer the ship and never told him that the ship was sinking. Um, and I, I think it's, it's very, in, again, like it's interesting to look at it from the perspective specifically of a documentary like this where you're getting it the way it should have been taught in school. Like this is stuff that we should have learned versus getting the same one well, okay here, here's why I, I definitely came came to it and that this is actually what pissed me off is knowing that each year in high school specifically history classes like we learned about the same shit each year no bullshit there was never there it obviously changed at levels and you gain you know more information but it was the same material the same shit each year you realize that's done on purpose is it's it's to indoctrinate it's to jam this knowledge into your brain to create this narrative to make you believe and look at things a certain way if this is all you know and all that's been told to you you believe it has to be true i'm like it's one thing to say that they don't teach this in schools it would be fair to say that the information is just fully coming to light for all people, not even just black people. Like this is something that's coming to light more aggressively or at a you know larger scale for everybody, right? I think the issue lies in the continued and active suppression, right? It's, it's Ron DeSantis calling this a woke agenda to say that black people want to have their history taught. Not even like it's specifically that AP African American history is not being allowed to be taught. Why? The niggas calling it a woke agenda. That is, that's their favorite fucking buzzword. Which, and this, this is the part where I, again, like I am a little, in that it's not anger, it's passion. It's for sure passion. Cause it is racism and another form of systemic white, white supremacy to make the choices that, that a nigga like that is making. That a person like Rhonda's, like that is, that is you sitting in a place of privilege and power and saying, I don't want, you're so afraid of having that privilege and power stripped. Because and we that talked about this, I think, in the very in the last episode. So I love how, you know, we're we're pretty much flowing direct. Like I said, everything is it comes back full circle for sure. But I'm like, what you have is the people who are who have been the one percent for so long. They've been the majority at large, but they've been the one percent as far as power, wealth, uh, prosperity, and just again that word privilege. They've been amongst that group for so long. And the way that they abuse and use said power, there's this, I, there has, and I, I, I can't say this obviously from, you know, confirmation or experience. I don't fucking know. I don't know what they talk about, but I have to imagine that the reason they're so afraid of losing it is because they know that they've been abused. They've been, a, they've been oppressors. So now they worry that, that if they one, you know, the, the prisoner syndrome side of, if you hold a nigga captive for long enough and he finally gets free and is able to, he's gonna hunt, he's, he's gonna hunt you. Like he, he's probably gonna hunt you down. It, it may be the, he may hunt you down for the rest of his days. Cause you, 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 you did the same to him. You held him, right? It's so like, there's this idea of reciprocation, right? And that, that was so interesting that at multiple points, 
in talking about reparations, which we're going to get there, and talking about, you know, in just the sense of justice, it was very, very much heavily, you know, doted upon almost in a, in a way that you would think it was like forced, but it, it definitely wasn't because I'm the same way. I'm like, I cannot stress this enough. It's not retaliation. None of this is the get back. It's not payback. It is simply, it truly is restoration, right? And again, that's what I'm like going back to. Restoration isn't just about getting back what the enemy stole from you. It's gaining what was never had. I don't, I don't care about the 40 acres and a mule as much anymore as I care about doing what needs to be done going forward so that we never have to ask the question of reparations again, right? It's this, I, I, I don't know specifically, and that's restoration is a great word, like without question, restoration is a great word for it. You know, it's not retaliation, even as far as reparations, it's not that. It's restoration of what was lost, right? Like not even the stolen part, where we're getting past the, the stolen, because we are the victims of it. So let's, let's pass to the victims of it and make ourselves the heroes. You know, if you lost something, you take responsibility for having lost it and you go find it, right? And, I, and obviously within the lost part, there's still, it wasn't our fault or, or intention to have lost it, not a purposeful losing. But, you know, there's this very, there's this very clear divide that I think if you, if you realize, if you're an individual in that position and you realize that nobody's coming to get you just because you've been an asshole all your life, like just because you've done a whole bunch of fuck shit, that doesn't mean that the people who are, there are, there are people like that without question, but we're talking about it in the masses amongst the mass population. They only want good. They want to go forward. They're trying to move forward. They want better. They want good for everybody. That's what, that's, that's the interesting thing about, you know, you look at, and this documentary made, it went very in depth on this note specifically about how, you know, you look at so many parts of the civil rights movement because what we were fighting for for so long, it's crazy to think that the fight was not for extra like that, that's how they've, they've made it specifically when it comes to right now, like police brutality, like police literally killing us in the street. And it's like, oh, what more are they going to ask for? It shouldn't be a lot to ask for you to stop murdering unarmed black men. Like that, that shouldn't have to be a request in the first place. We shouldn't have had to ask to not be counted as two thirds of a person or three fifths of a person. We shouldn't have had to ask to get to, to be allowed to vote, right? We shouldn't have had to ask to be allowed to read and write, to gain education. We shouldn't have had to ask to own houses. Like, do you under this, these little things where it's like, whoa, what the fuck? We shouldn't have had to ask to not be enslaved, but we did. Even, even, that's what, you know, the Nas there, he says, Abe Lincoln did not free the enslaved. Progress was made. Progress was made. We forced the proclamation. But then in the background, Diddy says, fuck your proclamation. Because what, what's always happened, what, what's gone on for so long is, is the appeasement movement. That's what I call it. You know, um, you know I, even affirmative action is simply appeasement. The Rooney rule, appeasement. It's this, and then and it's so bad because, you know, we, we try not to seem ungrateful, which it's like, it's, it's so, I think that may be one of the toughest black dilemmas, right? In life in general, but specifically when it comes to our rights as, as citizens and individuals within this country. We don't want to seem ungrateful because we know how easily shit can be taken away. Pointing to what I made sure to take a note of, and it's on my Instagram story. Um, it'll probably follow an Instagram post, but, uh, we're talking, mm, sorry, wrong side. Um, the special, yeah, special field orders number 15. That was the 40 acres and a mule. That was after this, that was the Civil War. We had the African-American regiment and the general or the, yeah, the general at that time that was there literally asked them, you know, what do you think is proper, basically repayment for you having fought? And they're like, yo, just give us some land that we can work on that's our own, you know, that we can labor until that is our own. So they 400,000 acres divided by some thousands of people. We got 40 acres and a mule. That's what it was to be. Abe Lincoln gets assassinated on purpose. Andrew Johnson, white supremacist, comes into office. He's like, no, no, sir. We're not giving these niggas nothing. 
and then follows it up with the Homestead Act. It's say 160 acres to white Americans and European immigrants, you know, to entice them to move here. 246 million acres in total, 10% of the nation's land was doled out. Say 46 million, approximately 46 million white Americans, 25% of the, of the current U.S. population are current beneficiaries of the Homestead Act, which I have an interesting, you know, similar note. On the note on the side of reparations, so this is just you know reparations math that they did based off of the current racial racial wealth gap. Excuse me. It said forty million descendants of slavery in America, out of forty five million Black Americans. So the racial wealth gap would call for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars per person, a total of fourteen trillion dollars owed by the U.S. government. That's why I'm saying. That's why I said fuck Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, and John Kennedy because they. They, they showed videos of them, which Mitch McConnell, actually all three of them, but Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham already are like public enemy number one. Fuck them. Especially Mitch. Ugh, I can't stand hearing his name. Then they're saying, I don't think that we should be held responsible for something that happened 150 years ago. And that's where, you know, you, you pull in the J. Cole lyrics I've been saying from New York Times. Fuck money. Give my kid a real education. Southside make you realize there's still segregation. But that fuck money give my kids a real education side. It's like, and I, I wrote a little note to self. Slavery, Jim Crow, CIA, undercover slash systemic racism. It was like, you you can very much, you can try your, your damnedest to make it seem as if, you know, it's, it was 150 years ago and you can spin that narrative all you want to. But the shit's happening today. Like, this shit's happening today, right? Again, talking about the friend from Baton Rouge, like, we were, we were having a conversation two weeks ago, and we were in the car, and he was saying, you know, and it, it really made me think that that Monday, it just kind of came back to me because I, I came to a revelation within that conversation specifically. He was saying the Louisiana education system, he was like, you know, just shit in the South, like, it's fucked up. That was done on purpose. Right. Like it was it's not it's it's not like we have, you know, greater schools in Chicago or anything like that. But I think, you know, we there's a different level of education simply in the street smart sense that was you know shared. We have many of the, um, you know, street scholars, an individual like Nas, who I think dropped out. They say like eighth grade, ninth grade or something like that. Nas clearly does not have the mental capacity of a nigga who dropped out of school at age 14, 15, right? Like specifically when we talk about, you know, niggas from New York, Chicago, the Phillies, you know, those spaces, very, very bright, smart, intellectual individuals just don't have a high school diploma, no college degree, right? And yeah, I think it was very interesting to look at. So where, where I, I you know, tunneled it to was that Monday I was thinking, it's very interesting actually to see, um, I'm hungry. I don't know if you can hear my stomach growling. That's why I had the cupcake. I had some candy too. I went on a little, they got Valentine's Day candy and stuff downstairs. So I went on a little binge. But it was interesting to think of, hmm, okay, funny enough, like if, if you knew me during high school, if you were around during that four-year span of, of Den Ryan, like if you were to say like, damn, who was, you know, kind of the wildest or like most ridiculous, which funny enough, the competition, we, we, me and Don back in high school had a like running joke with two other guys who were best friends about who was the best duo in, you know, in the city. Funny enough, one of that other pair was a black guy from Chicago. Okay. But doesn't stop there. Um, I would say in a in a grand scheme, like if you were to be like, damn, like who was running around terrorizing the city the most, good and bad, whatever you want to call it, it was the kid from Baton Rouge, the, the kids from Chicago. Like, you know, when you think of like when they say, um, the you know, intermingling or mixing and it's like, damn, you bring the you bring the hood. It, OK, at some levels, yes. But then you realize it wasn't the end of it because we also were. You know, the ones that won the class of perlatives. I was homecoming king, graduated toward the top of our class. Like this was not, it wasn't as if we're just these loose, goofy ass, like just like terrible human beings fucking shit up all the time. We just also were from an like a you you took us from 
action from our, you know, our spaces, our people, what we know, and then put us basically in foreign territory where we are the odd men out, we're the oddballs in the grand scheme. And it's like, yeah, shit gets sticky. Shit, shit gets sticky, no doubt. And I was going with that, you know, is the, is the education side. And that's specifically that, that undercover systemic racism side of like these very much, I was, I was the other day looking on Redfin and I'm looking at houses in Detroit and every house was run down. Or if there was a decent house, you know, that had been re rejuvenated or restored, you look next door to it and it's like, well, why the fuck would I buy it? That, that, look at that. Detroit used to be the shit. You had Motown, it was Motor City, like Detroit was it. But you also look at who was there. Well, of course they let it fall into poverty. So I, and I, you know, let's do flowing right into where we at next. These, these, these three places um, of former black prosperity that the U.S. government basically, or I won't guess, I guess, I can't say just the U.S. government because Black Wall Street, even though that very much likely was, you know, tons of government involvement. Uh, but they, you know, they brought up Harris Neck, uh, a place in Georgia that was once owned by, you know, a, a fan, or, sorry, a community of black people. And I guess they say today it would be worth about $100 million and the government came and used it for an airstrip during a war, right? Excuse me. Took it from them, kicked them off, not, not just on some like, Hey, cause that's, that's what I think people probably don't know too much is like when it came to taking land from black people, like there was no, Hey, yeah. So we're going to need to commandeer this land. Hey, but here's, you know, here's some hundred thousand dollars. No, it was like, Hey, get the fuck out. We know. Yeah. We know you own it, but get the fuck out. Or to Seneca village where they built central park. And obviously, you know, the famous black wall street in Tulsa where they came and burned our shit down. A literal symbol, a living, breathing symbol of black wealth. And they were like, yeah, nope, niggas getting too far ahead. Like that wasn't 150 years ago, right? Even talking about the Homestead Act, 1934, that, that wasn't 150 years ago. It wasn't 100 years ago, right? So if you're talking about Mitch McConnell, you fucking hack, that is one ugly individual. Yeah, I'm fine talking about a nigga like that. I don't care. But yeah, man, I'm like, you, you want to paint this narrative of pretty much the get over it, right? It doesn't matter anymore. We, I, I didn't do it. Yeah, bitch, but you, you in the position you're sitting in because somebody did. Like you're still benefiting off of it. They sowed the seeds and you eating the hell out the fruit. Gorging. You're going crazy on the fruit. Then you look at me and be like, sorry, nigga, should have planted a tree. Where? With what seed? You wouldn't let me. If I did, you chopped it down. Like that, right? And, then, and every time I, every time I went on the, to, plant maybe just one little i'm gonna plant one little seed you chopped that one down you killed the soil you beat my ass for even trying to plant a seed and then you came back and was like yeah so that was that yeah that stop talking about old shit i hate it i hate when they be like you bringing up old shit women understand that niggas they be like why you why you bringing up old shit y'all do be bringing up old shit stop bringing up old shit <laughs> but yeah it, it's, it's literally like you telling me you bringing up old shit like miss mcconnell you need your ass beat Right. So, and specifically, I think, you know, we talk about the war on drugs that, that in a, in a, the war on drugs itself is, is crack, crack by itself, like crack, crack in the war on drugs. Like y'all niggas put the crack in y'all, y'all brought the crack here. Y'all brought the crack here. Y'all the biggest, the biggest, the, I'm like, yo, the U S government was like, okay, shit's getting crazy. We got to come up with a term for this for what's going on. I Rico, but y'all the biggest fucking criminal organization to ever exist. The United States government is the biggest criminal organization to ever exist. If you look up the definition of racketeering, bro, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. Okay. Well, that's okay. I don't like that. I mean, it, it says dishonest and fraudulent business dealings, but no. Uh, okay. Here we go. Racketeering, coercive, fraudulent, or otherwise illegal coordinated operation to consistently collect a profit. Right. So the funny thing about that is like, if you wanted to, because the or, that or word is very interesting. You know, I talk about words and semantics being so important. That or word, coercive. It's all coercive, coordinated operation to consistently collect a profit. Fucking taxes, bro. Like you make, you make us pay taxes. 
if we don't pay taxes, you send a nigga to jail and take everything he's got. You use that tax money to go fucking fund wars that you're, that you're not even fighting in. Because the U.S. government is behind this. Like, they, they be behind the wars. That's how these power, that's how the power players keep power. You got to cause instability in other places. That How do you keep Russia from, from attacking us? Make them fight Ukraine. Racketeering is a type of organized crime in which the perpetrator set up a coercive, fraudulent, extortionary, or otherwise illegal coordinated scheme or operation that repeatedly or consistently collect a profit. It's the biggest fucking RICO case. The biggest organized crime organization ever. Especially, especially, <laughs> it's funny even more like you literally have the mob, like the mob and the mafia involved in the government for years. Still is. Like, come on, bro. The Kennedys, the Bushes, the Clinton, like all oh, you motherfuckers is, is crooked. And I'm I'm not the I'm not the crooked politician, every billionaire is evil, black I'm not that, but also I call a spade a motherfucking spade. You niggas is dirty. Think about it. The thing about a rat, thing about a rat. And here's here's this is I'm gonna I'm give y'all, if you don't know, now you know. I'm gonna give y'all some hood knowledge. This is hood game. A rat is gonna rat, it's gonna rat, it's gonna rat. A rat is gonna be a motherfucking rat. A rat is going to be a rat, dog. Understand what I mean when I say that. A rat is going to be a rat because a rat want to pretend that it's a mouse. A rat want to be a mouse, so a rat, but a rat can't be a mouse. It's a rodent. People don't keep rats for pets. You shouldn't be keeping mice for pets. But like mice are, a rat is going to be a rat. A snake is going to be a, a snake is going to hiss, bro. Right? What Wayne say? Rats are going to rat and snakes going to hiss, nigga. It is, it's very, I mean, it's very true. It's very simple. Look, man, my last little notes from uh, from where we're at, and there's actually, I'm going to do more research on this because I think we need to be supporting this. The HR 40 bill, it's a bill for reparations in Texas, led by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. So I got to do more research on that. Um, Here's something interesting that I, I thought was important to note. A black head of household with a college degree has approximately two thirds of the net worth of a white head of household that only finished high school. Just let that that sizzle marinating your soul while we're on the topic of reparations and the descendants of slavery and what i say all this none of this made me angry or, or hurt it was 100 liberating oh this is okay black excellence university my grandma just sent me this meet mary van britton brown black woman who invented the home security system in 1966 amen so with that with that that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up. I'll just give you a quick note. Black Excellence University. What is it? It's everything. It's a movement. It's what it's what I've been um, kind of culminating toward for a while. It's what I've set up in different ways and kind of the um, amalgamation of, of, of different parts of what's, what I've been building. Right. So I have what, what's going to be the Renaissance Project and still will be, but it's going to take a different name specifically under BEU. The Renaissance Project was to be a, you know, kind of a behind the scenes. And that's the thing. The Renaissance Project has still been happening just in a more covert way in the way I wanted it to. It'll be larger once it becomes a full on project. Um, That was to be, you know, basically a effort to lead and drive the Renaissance. The same Renaissance that we are talking about in the revolutionary sense of like Kirk Franklin say, do you want a revolution? I said, do you want to? Okay, that's my shit. That's my song. You know, I got a I got a playlist called My Revolutionary Heart, right? And it's basically black superhero music with a little bit of bite to it, right? It's like uh, it's it's revolutionary music. But Black Excellence University, what the Hendrix Collective was also going to be, um, but the reason I didn't like that was it didn't feel that was to be more exclusive, right? And I was like, damn, I don't want to, you know, be so tight and stringent with this. So that's where BEU comes from. Black and I can't give an exact date, but we're looking at within this next month. I want to get it. You know, we're have we're at the midway point of the month, so I'd like to spend the next two weeks flushing that out. Um, it'll essentially be the place for exposure, empowerment, education. My 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 E's, right? You know, my E's, my C's. I've also got my P's now. My E C P's, PEC, P E C. The P's are purpose. Power, prosperity, progress, passion, purpose, power, power prosperity, progress. Yeah. 
and passion, those five. And then we got the five E's, education, empowerment, engagement, exposure, and experience. I don't believe there's five C's, creativity, connection, community, collaboration. What's that for? There's probably a fifth somewhere that I'm forgetting. Oh, cultivation, right? But it's it's all of that, right? This is Black Excellence University will be um, what I think a lot of people may not. It's I, I'm big on the things that I didn't realize I needed or did need that I realized that most people probably may not know or, or you know, are willing to say that would benefit them. It was like, fuck it. Hey, you know, I'm the builder and they will come. And if they don't, shit, build something else, right? So it'll start, you know, that my podcast will now be coming under Black Excellence University Network, the BEU Network. And it will be, start out as a Facebook group in the, in the you know, community sense. Because, damn, I, I know there's Facebook groups. You know, there's a lot of options for customization. Um, you know, so we'll be doing things like live streams. There will be the Black, Un- the BEU Book Club, which I've already got some books for us to read. Um, there will be, you know, the movie club, movie documentary, like, you know, sh- Ben streaming club where we'll do things like I think our very first step will be watching the 1619 project. And we also have down the road quicker than, you know, quicker than down the road, sooner rather than later type beat, you know, but an investment club. I'm very I'm into investing. Yes, I just don't do much of it now with, you know, not having ridiculously liquid funds. Um, But as that, you know, opens up more. Definitely, we will have, you know, investment club. I think I've got some, you know, my notes get get fun. They get sticky. Yeah, so I say uh, we'll have the book club, the business network. That'll be just, you know, I, I, I shared from Earn Your Leisure today, which I've got to watch Market Monday. It's, and, yeah, Rashad was saying, and I, I love what he was saying, black entrepreneurs need to be celebrated the way that rappers are. And I'm like, facts. But it, a lot of it comes from us not, we have the networks with each other. We big up each other. But it's when we put this larger, I think this larger span of like an EYL, this larger, you know, entertainment, edutainment, creativity platform behind it is when you can scale the recognition, right? Something that I want, I've wanted to do and that I'm very big on, I want to do a sports league. So we'll have, and that'll, that'll probably start much smaller, a more local thing. And then as we grow kind of nationally, we'll be able to expand that. Same thing with the travel club as that, you know, as it remains smaller, because I, I don't expect this to be 500,000 people within the first you know week or so. That'd be fucking amazing. But no, uh, we'll, we'll grow small. We'll grow low and slow, man. I say come one, come all. But that understands that there has to be one first. Uh, come one, come all, knowing that not all will come. But those that do, what we say, they're meant to be. Um, and then, you know, my favorite game to play mindset, mindset, mentorship, um, that'll be that, 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 you know, that, like I said, that's my favorite game to play. I have been back in my meditation bag and boy, baby boy, can you hear it? Can you hear that? I'll be meditating. Can you hear that? I'll be meditating 20 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at lunchtime, 10 minutes before bed, five minutes before bed, Shh, my soul. And I'm going back to Chicago for a week. My soul. I'm look. Legacy plays and power moves only, man. I think we covered everything we were supposed to today. That again is the beauty of having my own podcast. Community for creativity and connections focused on education, equity, and unity. Black Excellence University. The beauty of having my own podcast is if we don't cover it today, we're gonna cover that shit at some point. And I can drop one whenever I want to. If I have a little five minutes that I'm like, damn, I forgot about that. I'll record another five minutes real quick, edit that up, and drop a little special, right? 19 Keys, which I'm getting off so I can watch his Instagram live. He said something that's, that's stuck with me since. He said, all the greatest revolutionaries, all the great individuals, the way that they were able to get to where they got, they had control of their media. I think we talked about that at one point. And I was saying, you know, it's interesting to look at all the great moguls. What are they? Kevin Hart, Heartbeat Productions, Hover Rock Nation, Oprah with OWN and, and Harpo Productions, Tyler Perry with his Tyler Perry Studio. You got what T.D. Jakes is building. It's like, yeah, man, look, own your shit. Fuck the pie. Own your shit. Be you. I love you. 
I love y'all, man. This was, I think this was a great episode. Welcome back to TMHS. This is season two. We got a great episode on Thursday. Next week, we will have an interview on Tuesday, I believe. Um, there won't be interviews every week or every episode, or even I was going to do interview and then solo, which it may still be that way. So that, you know, that'll be the two episodes. I don't know for sure. But like I said, man, welcome back. Season two. We weren't going for long and we'll be here for a minute for this one. I think we're going 16 episodes. 16, I believe, is the number we're looking to hit. Um, it'll be interesting the way we go about this. So, you know, you'll see on Thursday. Again, I love y'all. Be you. Peace. Trying to get a lot of dough. Anything is possible. Turn me up in the headphone. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Yeah. Trying to get a lot of dough and dirt the water obstacles, cause anything is possible. Oh man, I got a lot of gold. Stack that bread and buy my nose. Anything is possible. Hey. I grind to get a lot of dough and dirt through all the obstacles Cause anything is possible Yeah Oh man, I got a lot of goals Stack that bread and buy my nose Anything is possible Yeah All I know is get paper All I do is shit major Bought a condo on the top floor in the buildings a skyscraper Feeling like I'm Kobe LeBron for the Lakers Feeling like I'm Idris Paul Walker